He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- tr- <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening live to the transparent truth. The number one podcast of high school football in the world. It's only right that it's hosted by your man, your boy, Coach Keith. And my guy, Goat Biggins, GB. What's cracking? We went from the best in the country to the world in one week. That's impressive. Ascending. 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 You always want to be ascending. It's so much better than descending. That's right. That's what I'm saying. How you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. How are you? We're doing all right, yeah. man. I'm doing okay. Cool. You know, recording on a Tuesday. We're in the Miracle Mile CBS Studios, Maslin and Wilshire. We're getting ready to get this party jumped off the right way. Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. We got our recruiting news coming up. GB, hit us with the- So we had a couple new commitments. How about Boise State? For me, this was a huge, huge steal. And I hate to use the word steal because I have so much respect for Boise State. I feel that, that they're basically a BCS program. Just not in a BCS conference, but Khalil Shakur took a visit over the weekend, waited one day, and then popped on Monday morning. He is going to Boise State. I think he's a dynamic receiver. Basically, he's been a one-man show this whole entire season for Vista Muretta. They had a really down season for them, but he has not. He has not had a down season. Khalil Shakur has been dynamic out of the backfield, playing quarterback, playing receiver, even playing some defense. They can't wait, man. They're going to use this guy all over the field. Also, Billy Bowens from Redlands East Valley. I think our boy Jalen Phillips tipped me off about him a couple years ago. So the guy's big and fluent and can run a little bit. So Bowens took his visit like three weeks ago. Kind of waited a little bit. And I think maybe with some of the some of the noise about a few other guys committing, Billy said, you know, I don't want to be left out. This is my top choice. I'm going to jump on that, which I always recommend to players. You do not want to commit to your second choice, right? That's right. So Boise State got a couple good ones. And then Notre Dame t- took a commitment from Etiwanda wide receiver Jordan Porter. I said last week on the show, I thought he was ASU, an ASU lean. He actually told me uh, the night before on Halloween that it was going to be Notre Dame and kind of told me why. He said, obviously, first off, the, the tradition, the academics, uh, every game's on TV. He likes the offense, likes the fact that they run the football, play action pass. They need a deep threat. He's a legitimate 10-5, 10-600-meter guy. So... Congrats to Jordan Porter, really nice kid, uh, good family. He's got a brother over at Washington State. So the Irish adding some some deep speed. How do you put those three guys right there, Coach Keith? You know, I love the fit of the two Boise State commits, Billy Bowens, Khalil Shakur. If you look at Boise State right now, they got a dynamic receiver on the outside, Cedric Wilson, who's from Coffeyville Community College, but he's lighting up the Mountain West. As an outside vertical threat, a mismatch in one-on-ones. Billy Buttons, he's a vertical speed guy, excellent 400-meter runner, can get behind defensive backs and behind the zone. And then Khalil Shakur is kind of a do-it-all, 6'2", 185, 190-pound receiver, built in the Cedric Wilson mode. A terrific fit and great pickup for the Boise State Broncos. Those two receivers, 
I promise you, they will be in the lineup sooner rather than later, and they will add some dynamic playmaking ability to the Boise State offense. No question about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a excuse me. I'm a fan of the program. I was I was kind of viewed them as Gonzaga basketball, just kind of one of those mid majors that's not a mid major that no yeah. one wants to play. Absolutely non league. Because again, we talked about it last week, right? I think we had when we had Travis on talking about you know how it's hard for them to get games. What do you gain if you're a high-level Pac-12 school playing Boise State? You gain you're L. probably going to lose. Yeah. And if you win, well, yeah, you beat a non-BCS team. Right. Had some official visits. Mentioned Boise State. Kalosha Kerr, he was the kind of the key guy. They had several other players that took their officials. Most of those guys were already committed, which is kind of good. You want to have a bunch of committed guys on the visits. They can kind of recruit the guys that are non-committed. Obviously, it paid off. But Andrew Van Bully. Philip Mills, Koa Gonzalez, Zach Wilson, the quarterback, they were all on that official trip to Boise State. Nebraska hosted some elite West Coast talent. How about Cam McDonald, Jalen Hall from Long Beach Poly, and then Elijah Wade uh, from Arborview in Nevada. All three took their visits to Nebraska. I think they got a chance probably of that group. I don't see Cam McDonald flipping from USC. Uh, Cam likes SC quite a bit. Um, but Jalen Hall is a guy I'd watch out for. And the key thing with Nebraska is we don't know their coaching situation. I think everyone's kind of waiting to see, you know, is, is Coach Riley going to be brought back? And, and if so, what about the assistant? So I think Jalen's got a really good relationship with Coach Dub, the receiver coach uh, over there. And if he's brought back, I think there is a chance that Nebraska could go ahead and reel in Jalen Hall and Elijah Wade. I still think it's going to be a USC-UCLA battle. Arizona State. Uh, brought in Brian Addison on a official visit. I talked to Brian Addison after the game Friday night against Long Beach Poly. He said he's getting close to a decision. He's got uh, ASU, which is this past weekend, and he's going to trip to Washington, the Huskies, I think, in two weeks. Okay. And then I'll probably decide after that. Other teams involved there um, are UCLA. Um, who else is involved with Michigan? Addison? Michigan's heavily involved. Nebraska. And, and there was a fiscal. Nebraska, look at you, the recruiting guru. Come on now. You've been paying attention to my... I just follow you, bro. So of that group, I mean, Addison's really tough to follow because he's all, he's all over the map. I mean, he had a top five, and he sent a visit to UW, who wasn't even in his top five. I was like, hey, why'd you send a visit to a school not in your top five? He's like, well, they're number six, so I want to give him a chance. So, I don't know. I think Addison kind of has an idea right now what he wants to do. I know ASU was an early summer leader. He's got a brother there. He likes the program a lot. Uh, UCLA was looking really good for a while, but obviously what I mentioned with Boise, or excuse me, with uh, Nebraska, UCLA kind of in the same boat. They're getting negative recruited. People are unsure about the coaching situation moving forward. So Addison will be kind of an interesting, uh, interesting guy to watch. And even after he does commit, it won't be over. I mean, here's a guy I could still see other schools, you know, getting involved and USC still trying with him. But Michigan's got a chance, too. Don't want to downplay that. I think Michigan's got a great chance and would be a a, a nice fit for him. And then uh, Reggie Hughes already committed. And then Nico Hall from Calabas took an unofficial trip to ASU. So all those guys were there. They're all good friends. And then our guy Tanner McKee took an official visit to Alabama and loved it. And Tanner's usually a guy who kind of downplays it. You know, doesn't really want to give you too much. But... He was kind of gushing about this visit, like he hadn't done after his other visits. He went, he went to Texas and Texas A&M, and he said all the standard things after those visits. But the, the one to Bama, I feel like that was kind of eye-opening for him from just the the, the game atmosphere, which that's not going to influence Tanner. He's more into you know what's the most important things. But he just said the way they run their program, the offense, the staff the strength and conditioning program, their commitment that they have just from the second you get there. Just, I mean, it's an NFL program, the way they run things no there. And so 
You know, he still has Stanford, Washington, and BYU on his visit list. He will be a signing day decision. I've always kind of said, hey, Stanford, BYU, but I'd say watch out for Bama. I think they got a real shot right now. Listen, man, listen. Tanner McKee at Alabama is scary. Imagine, I said the same thing. Imagine his talent and skill set in that offense. Now, I, I don't want to shortchange any of those Bama quarterbacks, A.J. McCarron, um, the kid who's there now from Texas. But Tanner McKee, a six foot six freak. Yeah. Tossing the peel and running out the pocket in t- in T Town, man, that that's scary. It'd almost be unfair. Back to Lakers when we get LeBron James next year, it's going to be just unfair and scary. L- let's move along. You like that? <laughs> no, I don't. We had a couple decommitments this past weekend. Andy Koch from Roosevelt, a defensive end who had committed to Oregon State, decided to back off that. And then UCLA also had a couple decommitments. Blake McDonald. Uh, from up in Northern California, backed off that. Uh, he had offers early on from ASU, Cal, Colorado, and Utah. So we'll see if those schools kind of jump back in. They also lost uh, a defensive back from Texas, uh, David Coleman, and Kendrick Terrain was an athlete out of Florida. So I think like five guys decommit so far. Uh, was kind of w- wanted to re- read a quote. I got to read this quote. Go with it. From our guy, Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR. Go with it. DTR, Bishop Gorman quarterback. How much do we love this guy? So our, my guy Blair talked to Dorian, just kind of get his thoughts and all the, you know, hey, is, how are you? You know, what's your status? This is from DTR. No disrespect to those that have decommitted, but our, and then we have parentheses, those still committed, our main focus is keeping the elite guys to stay and find new, bigger, better players to commit to us instead of sobbing over the decommits. For those who don't quite know what that means, let me interpret that, interpret that for you. It means... You know what? We don't really care about the guys who we lost because all the elite guys are still in the fold. <laughs> We're going to get better guys to replace them anyway. That's basically what DTR was saying. Yeah, you know. That's that's just classic DTR as classic. a quarterback, as a leader, saying, you know what? We're still going to be good. Yeah. The guys we really want are, are still here. Yeah, that's, that's how I would DTR. interpret DTR. He, he, he wears his emotions <laughs> on his sleeve. He's going to say how he feels. And uh, if, if he feels that way, if I'm one of those guys who decommit, I consider it a slap in the face. And if I face UCLA and DTR, I'm, 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 a, I'm a gata. You are not going to gata DTR. Hey, if I'm one of those guys, I would. <laughs> well, if you're a DTR, don't you also feel a slap in your face that these are guys you kind of bonded with? Now they're jumping ship when things are going rough? No, because guys have the right to... Change their minds whenever they choose. Sure. And DTR has the right to call them out for it. And they will meet on the field eventually. I got a quick question, though. Andy Koch from Roosevelt. Did he commit before or after Travis Dye ran for 800 yards on them this past Friday? He committed to Oregon State long time ago. I know, I know. So that when would did be he before. Commit was it before or after Travis Dye? We ran don't for actually know. Yards? See, my, my guy Blair was at that game. Oh, when Travis Dye went off. And it almost seemed like it was he had decommitted, and it wasn't announced yet until Blair kind of broke that news. So after the game? I mean, he had already done it. Blair broke the news after the game, but he had already made the decision to open things up. He just didn't tweet it out or make okay. it a... Make it a okay. I just just checking. I, I thought you're, you're just trying to get this out there that that's Roosevelt give up a lot of yards to Travis Dye, right? That's that's the whole purpose of this little no, no, show I, right now. I'm just asking a question. A man can't ask a question? You can ask a question. What else we got, GB? We got some... Uh, we got some unofficial visits as well. 
Uh, three really talented players from St. John Bosco, underclassmen, took visits to UW, the Washington Huskies. Huh? That would be Josh, 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 Chachi Delgado, Cole Aubrey, and Jake Bailey. Nice little threesome, along with their buddy, Tariq Luckett from J. Sarah. Those four went out there together. Nice. Saw the Huskies. And then L.V. Bunkley, the sophomore from Sarah, went to Notre Dame and absolutely loved it. He told me he's going to go back there over the summer for one of their camps. He said, hey, we like you. We want to see you in person. We want you to work out. And if you like what we see, we could throw an offer at you. And then a few new offers, speaking of which, uh, nothing too, uh, uh, not too many, uh, but Big play Johnny Wilson from Calabasas got one from Arizona. Spencer Lytle from Servite picked up Boston College. Cameron Davis, Upland 19 running back, picked up one from Cal. For those of you who don't know the vernacular, 19 means he's a class of 2019 kid. Anthony Pardue from Murad Valley picked up San Jose State. And Andrew Falou from Modern Day picked up Illinois. How about Kobe Pepe? And dude, Kobe Pepe, that was, again, Bosco D-Tackle. You are all over the recruiters. I like it. Kobe Pepe, 2020. Yeah. For those out there. Uh, This is a 6'1", 275-pound D-Tackle with a very, very bright, very, very big upside. ASU, offer number one, and will definitely not be his last. That's all I got. You got any more recruiting notes for us, Coach? No, that's all that's I got, That's it. So man. I guess we're done as a package. Hey, listen. That's it. You got to follow Greg Biggins on Twitter, man. That's where I get all my information. Thanks, Actually, I'm just copying and pasting. <laughs> <laughs> I usually do, too, but I forgot to put the uh, Kobe Pepe one on there. Yeah, it's all good. Congrats, I got you Kobe, back, though. man. Awesome yeah. family, yeah, too. Yeah, no question about it. We appreciate our guy, GB, hit us with the recruiting news. Again, a lot of work goes into that. And uh, please, I don't want you guys to take it for granted. So when you get a chance, reach out and thank my guy. We're going to move along with our Sleeper of the Week this week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. We're going back to Mr. Greg Biggins for our sleeper week. He found a jewel of a player. GB, share with our fans. I got a guy from Citrus Hill by the name, and I hope I don't butcher the name, Sean Dorso. D-O-U-R-S-E-A-U. I'm thinking it's Dorso, but I might be Dorsol. My guy, Robert Bourne, rare breed, had been tipping me off about Sean. I watched the tape, and the guy could play. 14 interceptions this season, coach. The state record is 17. Wow. He's Citrus. I think Citrus Hill is number, got the number two seed. And I will look it up later. I'm not sure what division they are, but it's a good okay. program. It's a good team. Right. And obviously, when we're talking about Sleeper of the Week, it's a guy we feel is a college prospect. Right. So stats don't always show that. 
This guy is a prospect. He's probably about 5'11", 6 feet with some nice length as a safety. He showed some nice speed, a couple punt returns for touchdowns. He can come up and hit you. He's a nice, a nice looking player. And so far, no offers yet. He told me he's hearing a little bit from Fresno State and San Diego State. This guy can easily play for either one of those places and a few others as well. This is a classic guy. This is the kind of guy you see go to like a Boise State and be three-year starter and all-conference and beat a Pac-12 school. And they say, where did this guy come from? He came from Citrus Hill. Yeah, he did. I mean, talking about, it's hard to get 14 interceptions in a career. That's just once. He had four last week. Wow. So he's on our top performers list, which yeah. we'll get to a little bit later. Four interceptions last week on the year, again, uh, 13. And the guy does a little bit of everything well. He's got the size that, that, that translates to college. So sleeper of the week, man. If you're out there, colleges, check out my guy from Citrus Hill. He is a senior. He needs to get out right now. He's got about a 3.0 GPA. Taking the test already. He's good to go. Sean Dorsol, safety. Sleeper of the week. Man, the guy sounds like he's comfortable making plays. 14 mm. interceptions, four in one week, couple punt returns. He's comfortable with that football. You, Greg, you'd be surprised how many guys are uncomfortable oh. with the ball. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They get it in front of them, they drop it. Yep. It's in the air for a punt return, it goes through their arms. There's so many guys are just so uncomfortable <laughs> handling that peel. This guy sounds like he's comfortable, and then he can go. He's got size and length. A guy who, obviously, the game kind of slows down for you, right? Sure. Everything. The best word you said was comfortable. You, you see guys just look nervous. Even the really, really elite players, man, when, when it's time to make a play, the game kind of speeds up for him. Yeah. For Sean, the game kind of obviously just kind of slows down. Yeah. Stay in the moment. Yeah. Every sport. Baseball. I thought that was Houston Astros. My Astros coming through because the game was slowing down for them. Sean, for, just... Listen, I just listen. I just, I just thought that was one of the best World Series of all time. My guys coming through <laughs> next year. I mean, next year Houston's going to have to deal with the Angels. It's going to be a little rough for them, but this yeah, for this yeah. year, Houston was the, the you know they deserved it this year. They were probably the best team. But next year, Houston, we're coming for you, baby. We're coming for you. Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know they were your guys because your Twitter would say that you're a big Angels fan. Houston's always been my number two team for but, like as long as I can remember. Okay. So now you're an Angels fan, but it's okay. Dodgers will bounce back. We're coming for you, Houston. We've got Justin Upton coming back, baby. We're going to sign some people. We're going to stay healthy. We're going to get a new manager. Second we're base. We're going to get rid Third of Hugh Darvish. And we're going to be good. So uh, let's move along, man. We got our top performers, GB. I know you're a big Astros fan now, but. No, on a serious note, though, I know you're a Dodger guy, but that was a great, that was fun for you. You guys had a great team. That was a great season. I would kill to be in that position for my team. Yeah, no question about it. It was a lot of fun. Sometimes you can't do that. Before we get to our top performers, man, I want to send my condolences out. We heard about what happened out in, I think it was Sugarland, Texas, or yeah. um, the 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 shooting spree in the church, man. I, it's, it's been on my heart, GB. I just can't imagine saying most of the, the 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 people who were got their lives taken were kids, and uh, it's been on my heart. So I want to send my prayers and condolences to the friends, family, and community out there in Texas. And, man, that's just that's just a tough way to go out. Um, we, all, we all need to pray for them. So let's move along to our top performers now. We're going to start off in SoCal, as we always do, because we are homeboys. We're going to go with my guy, Merlin Robertson. 
Sarah linebacker, the senior, two sacks, and an acrobatic touchdown catch after the bobble, bobble, and then pull it in and toe tap before he falls out of bounds. Merlin Robinson, I thought, balled out and was the player of the game for me versus Long Beach Poly for Sarah. I think you might have tweeted this, and I agree. Best I've ever seen Merlin play. I've been watching him for four years now. He gets better and better, and I just... Dude, he was getting mugged on the play, too. He got a guy guy on him a little bit, made the play. No, Merlin was good. You know what? I'm going to go. Go with it. I'm going to go to Fresno. Okay. You know why? Casimir Allen? Dude, he went off again. I know it. Did you see those numbers? <laughs> Man, he's a monster. I know you said we're, we're SoCal, but I, we got to go with the guy who put up. This guy should be the state player of the year. I talked to my guys at Cal High Sports. No one's putting up bigger numbers than Casimir Allen. 310 yards rushing. Five touchdowns, 246 yards receiving, and two more touchdowns. That would be seven touchdowns. That would be 55 total in nine games this year. And the team they played against, yeah, their defense had averaged giving up six points a game. Wow. This was two undefeated teams. And he just went off. And he just went off. Wow. Casimir Allen, congrats to you, man. Whoever's getting this guy right now, again, I need to, I need to talk to Mr. Casimir Allen. Looks like Cal is in the, in the best spot, man. Cal is getting a guy who's going to come in there and make some plays right away. Hey, Casimir, reach out to my guy, Greg Biggins. He wants to holler at you. Let's move <laughs> along to Mr. Nico Hall over there at Calabasas. We talked about him a little early on his unofficial visit. He had eight catches. He had a pick six. He had a one-handed receiving touchdown that was sick with it. Shout out to Nico Hall over there at Calabasas. We're going to go with Javon Wilson over there at Valencia. Six carries, 125 yards, three touchdowns. Michael Wright, three catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. The dude is going to challenge for player of the year as well in the state, Greg. Go ahead. How about going with the, over to Norco High School? A guy who goes by the name Travis Dye. 346 yards, seven touchdowns. They put up 83 points this past week. 83 points. The game was 28 to 28. Travis Dye just took over. Nice job, Travis. I'm gonna stay at I'm gonna stay at Norco for a second because the quarterback, Nick Lasher, was 20 of 23 for 341 and three touchdowns, and Jorge Alvarado had two of those touchdowns for Norco. Also had seven catches for 186. So, Norco, putting up some numbers. You mean to tell me the running back ran for 346 and the quarterback threw for three-plus as well? Hey, man, you score 83 points, there's going to be a lot of stat stars from that game. Who were they playing? UCLA? I don't don't remember. (laughs) Close. It was, it, was, it was your boys from Roosevelt. You called out a little bit earlier. Oh, man. Shout out to Roosevelt. Just taking a little jab. I still believe in you, Rose. Braden, my guy, Braden Huffman-Dixon, I need you to make some plays in the playoffs, man. You guys got to get at least at least two rounds in. Let's go. Who you got, Keith? Let's take it to Cerritos. Isaac Joseph, the quarterback at Valley Christian, he threw for four touchdowns. I want to go back to that Calabasas game. Jaden Casey. The sophomore quarterback, he threw for four touchdowns as well. Nice job. We'll take it to Chaminade. Ryan Stevens, the quarterback, 23 out of 26, 387 yards, three touchdowns. Excuse me, two touchdowns. And Ryan, uh, check, check, Michael Wilson, nine catches for 180 yards. And Andrew Van Bully, four rushing touchdowns for the Chaminade Eagles. GB? 
I'm gonna go with a guy we haven't called out all year long. But you know what? I'm drinking some Monster right now, so I, I know you know where I'm going with this one. Take it to the... <laughs> How about Great Oak linebacker Jack Lamb? who missed over half the year at the knee. He's back. 23 tackles this past game. Wow. Great Oak beat Vista Murrieta, Vista Murrieta for the first time in pro, pro... I can't speak right now. That's okay. I'm getting tongue-tied. Program history. First time in program history, 26-14 to 14 to get into the playoffs. Great Oak's going to be playing Valencia in the first round. Javon Wilson, Mikhail Wright, it's going to be a, a tough game, but you, at least they're in the playoffs, right? Sure, sure. At least you're in. I'd rather be in. But yeah, 23 tackles for our boy Jack Lamb. Danny Morales, the stud, two-way guy, had 169 yards and three touchdowns as Great Oak got it done. And I'm sure I don't have the stats, but I'm sure my guy CJ Barney did, Barney did something great too. So hats off to you, Great Oak, and nice job, Jack Lamb, and <laughs> props to Monster. <laughs> Jack Lamb with 23 tackles. That's a big-time performance. Get it done. Bosco, quarterback DJ Ui Analele, 25. Check, check, 16 to 25, 315 and four touchdowns. Two-way player Jake Bailey, eight catches for 163, balled out. Yeah. Take it to modern day real quick. Brew McCoy, three receiving touchdowns. Brew. <laughs> CJ Parks, nine catches for 112. I'm on Ross St. Brown, five for 125 and two tubs. JT Daniels, 25 for 32, 346 and five touchdowns. I'm going to nominate him for the National Player of the Year, regardless of class. Greg. You do that. You do that. How about Paraclete? Had a huge win over Sierra Canyon. Uh, Andre Hunt went off this one, five catches. For 165 yards and three touchdowns in their big win over a really good Sierra Canyon team. Do we have anybody calling in about that game? We do. We, we got do? my guy Evan Barnes from the Daily News. I love Evan Barnes. No question. Paraclete, Sierra Canyon. So don't want to miss that one. How about no one has been better than this guy defensively this year? Christian Laval, Mission Viejo, 9-0 versus 9-0 San Clemente. Mission Viejo took that one largely because of the presence of linebacker Christian Laval. 14 tackles, one interception, and a turn, return that got him, led them down uh, for another score. They also had a pretty sweet touchdown receiving. I was actually watching that game when I came home. That he high-pointed the ball like he was a receiver. And That's I rarely even see receivers doing that. They always want to jump and catch the ball here. Yeah. Get your arms up there like you're, raise your hands like you're sure. Was that the deodorant commercial? That raise is, your, uh, yeah, you're right. Dude, Christian Laval's high point in the ball along with those 14 tackles in the pick. Hey, listen, I love Christian Laval. Physical. I love the guy, too. I mean that in the most masculine way possible, but I love the guy. But let me tell you something, GB. You, you said nobody's been better defensively this year. Nobody. I'm going to argue that okay. with my guy Blake Anzalados. Nope. You can say equally as good, but no one has been better. Nobody has been better. GB, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. Let's go with. You know what? They might play each other in the second round. That's got a great chance of those two teams meet. They're four and five seed. I love that matchup. Let's go with LaSalle quarterback Grant Caraway, four touchdowns. Whittier Christians quarterback Quinn Commons, 431 yards and six touchdowns in his final high school game. Shout out to OC Varsity. For the stats. How about our boy from Eurota Valley, Hank Bachmeyer? 367 yards and four touchdowns. Also 67 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Hank has some sneaky athleticism. And Marquis Spiker, props to you. 
Six for 111 and one touchdown. You're going, why is that a top performer? Six catches, 111 yards, and just one touchdown? Well, how about because that one touchdown gave him 66 career touchdowns, which ties a California State record. That's kind of a big deal. For receiving touchdowns? For receiving touchdowns. Wow. 66. You know whose record he tied? Javon McKinley? No. Hayo Carpenter? No. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. He went to Cathedral High School. He went to Cathedral? His name, his namesake, is very close to your Doyers, as well as the Lakers. I don't know. Irvin Johnson. Who the hell is that? You don't remember Irvin Johnson from Cathedral? No, I don't. Man. What, what year did he play? He played. The 80s? A, he, he played. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't 80s. It was. It was probably. Gosh, mid 90s. Mid to late. He went to UNLV. I think when John Robinson was coaching oh, at UNLV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yes. Okay. So congrats to Marquis Spiker. 66 career touchdowns, and they are still going. They have a playoff game this week, so he gets one more touchdown. He's going to break that state record for receiving touchdowns. That will be broken in 2030 by Austin Miller. I promise you. Awesome Austin Miller. Awesome Austin Miller. You better mark it down right now. Uh, I want to take it to NorCal really quick. De La Salle, defensive back. Tavius Marshall, two pick sixes. Woo. De La Salle blew somebody out. Pittsburgh, Ajay Boyd, the athlete. 79-yard receiving touchdown. 79-yard reception for a touchdown. And a big-time interception to seal the win for, seal the win for Pittsburgh. Capolino, Morago, John Torchio. He's a quarterback. He had a touchdown run. He had an interception for a touchdown, and he had a touchdown pass. Folsom quarterback, the junior, this kid's been dynamite, Caden Bennett, five total touchdowns. Folsom blew out their rival. Bear River running back, Austin Bays, 203 yards and four touchdowns. Jesuit athlete, Isaiah Jesuit. 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 Jesuit athlete Isaiah Rutherford, an 80-yard touchdown run and another 67-yard run that set up a short plunge. And I think that's all I got from NorCal, GB. Got anything else from SoCal? Yeah, we got a couple guys. How about our guy, super sophomore Bryce Farrell? Not to be confused with Bryce Farrell, who we've been calling him way too many times. Bryce Farrell, Oaks Christian, four catches, 134 yards and two touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Nice job, Bryce. How about Sherrod White from Heritage? They had an incredible win, back-and-forth win over Paloma Valley. Sherrod White, Montana State commit, had 240, 245 yards rushing and four touchdowns. And in a losing effort, Orange Lutheran, the Lancers, lost a heartbreaker to Santa Margarita. But Ryan Helensky still went off 341 yards and four touchdowns. And Kyle Ford had nine catches for 266 and three touchdowns in that one. And in the winning team side, Chad Mygar did his thing. 28 carries for 182 yards and one touchdown. And Josiah Norwood, as always, also went off in that game. 13 to 17 for 168 yards and a touchdown and rushed for 116 yards and three touchdowns. So Norwood accounted for four of those touchdowns, three rushing, one throwing. Be looking out for Shamanad Olu this week. That's an interesting first-round game. Kyle Ford has been virtually unstoppable. Ryan Halinski has been tossing the peel on everybody. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Kyle Ford and those receivers and skill players at Orange Lou going against those 
athletic defensive backs over at Chaminade. It's going to be a good game, I think. Let's take it to San Diego. St. Augustine running back DeAndre Daniels, 23 carries, 240 yards, three touchdowns. Mission Hills, Damon Wigan, 21 carries, 193 yards, two touchdowns. Quarterback Jack Tuttle from Mission Hills, 17 to 27, 342 yards. Chris Olave, six catches, 150, two touchdowns. And San Marcos, wide receiver. Kyle Webb, five catches, 128 yards, and two touchdowns. GB, you got anything else? I just got a couple quick ones. Uh, mentioned Roosevelt, kind of got thumped by Narco, but hey, it wasn't Jeremy Moose's fault. 15 to 26 for 343 and six touchdowns. Wow. So the future Hawaii uh, Rainbow Warrior quarterback, Jeremy Musa, still getting it done. And also, uh, Muri- Murrieta Mesa, who fell to uh, Murrieta Valley. Uh, Murrieta Mesa quarterback Jeff Miller. Jeff. Big Jeff. Big old 6'6 kid. Was 28 of 40 for 336 and two touchdowns. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't think they made the playoffs, but Jeff Miller still ended the year on a good note, and uh, he's going to have a heck of a college career. Super smart kid. Congrats to you, Jeff Miller. And I think that might be all I have. All right, let me move down to our Western States. We got Arizona next. Hamilton running back Jawar Jordan. Stud. He was 207 yards, three touchdowns. He's a running back out of Hamilton. Queen Creek quarterback Devin Larson. He had six touchdowns. Verado running back Jatai Jenkins, 200 yards. Superior quarterback Steven Ibarra, 13 to 21, 257, four touchdowns. Then he had 41 carries for 218 yards and two touchdowns. If you're counting at home, just go ahead and do the math. <laughs> Higley linebacker Cade Matthews, eight tackles, a sack, an interception, a forced fumble, and a punt block. Segura wide receiver Logan Pettijohn, nine catches, 207 and two touchdowns. Chandler quarterback Jacob Conover, 300 yards and four touchdowns. And Chandler wide receiver Gunnar Rodney, nine receptions, 171 yards and two touchdowns. Take it to Utah really quick. Oran wide receiver, who's a repeat performer almost every week. Puka Nakua, seven receptions, 248 yards. And three touchdowns. He also had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Duquesne wide receiver Jaron Mortensen, two touchdowns receiving and two interceptions. Corner Canyon kicker Connor Ebling, three field goals and three extra points. He was perfect on the night. East running backs, they have two of them, Xavier Spann and Ben Ford, three touchdowns each. All did a nice job. Take it to Washington really quick. Freshman quarterback Kennedy Catholic. Sam Heward, 535 yards, five touchdowns. Jabez Tenay, also a freshman, nine receptions, 278, three touchdowns. Another freshman from Kennedy Catholic, Junior Alexander, 16 catches, Greg, 204 yards, and two touchdowns. All three of those guys are freshmen. They all balled out. Also, Sam Amish, wide receiver, Taylor McClinton, eight catches, 160, and four touchdowns. Shout out to my guy over at FSP for providing the Hawaii, really fast. Campbell running back, Crinston, Kaipo, 226 yards and three touchdowns. Greg, and that is all I have for our West Coast performance. Did, did I say Bryce Young? Did we talk about him at all? No, we didn't. Okay, because I, I wrote him down, but I have so much junk on my computer screen. So they had a huge win over undefeated St. Francis this past weekend for the league championship. Bryce oh. was 20 of 26 for 250 and two touchdowns and also had 71 yards rushing. So Bryce Young getting it done. Dynamic. On both sides. Michael, it. Vick, Michael Vick? I don't know about that, but he can definitely run a little bit. I think he's more comfortable as a pure pocket guy who can make plays outside the pocket whenever he feels led. 
And I think this past weekend, he felt led to do that. He does whatever he wants to do. Bryce Young, he's a special. He's a big time special guy. guy. Big time guy. And that is, I think that is all I have. Bryce. Oh, I, you know, I already mentioned him, but one more shout out. Sean Dorso, Citrus Hill, four interceptions. That's 13 on the season. How many elite DBs this year don't even have four in the whole season? I think yeah, a lot of them. That's that's a huge game. I don't know if I got the chance to mention my guy Clark Phillips at La Habra. No, go with that. Two interceptions. Um, this is a second or third game of having multiple interceptions in the game. Big time 2020 <clears throat> defensive back out of La Habra. At least two, because he, he had the one game where he had the three pick sixes, right? Yeah. That's right. So he's had a big time year. Ain't no question about it. So those are our Good top job, performers. Clark. We see you guys out there balling out. Shoot us your stats. We know it's playoff time. Shout out to all those 2019, 2020 guys. Coach Keith has something special coming down the pipe for you. Be ready for it. Be on the lookout. Be on the listen for it. We're going to move along, Greg. We got our game recaps. Okay? Yeah. We got our game. We got to bring in our guy, Evan Barnes. He made a trip out to Paraclete to watch a terrific matchup between Paraclete and Sierra Canyon High Schools. Evan, how you doing today? I'm good now that I'm out of Lancaster and warm again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we know about that Lancaster weather. So tell us, talk to us. Sierra Canyon, Paraclete, we thought it would be an even matchup. Kind of ended up lopsided. What happened in the game? Well... It really was even for a half. I mean, Paraclete only led 7-0 at, at halftime, and it was very, um, very well played by both defenses. I think Paraclete's defense had four sacks in the first half. Sierra Canyon had two, forced two turnovers. Uh, J.D. Hernandez by himself. He stripped the ball and literally took it out of a guy's hand and then got interceptions. So, very well played defensive game, but then Paraclete just had a little too much firepower, and Sierra Canyon suffered when uh, Corey Jones, uh, fell untouched in the second quarter. Uh, they said he had a hip injury. He didn't return, and with him not in there, uh, Sierra Canyon's offense just kind of stalled, and Andre Hunt basically just torched um, whoever was guarding him because Brevin White just threw it over the top, and Hunt just did what he did best. Hey, Evan, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, was was Corey Jones, was he kind of manning up on, on Andre you know, all over the field, and w- once he went out, they just took advantage of that? Yeah, basically, like, he was guarding Hunt, and, you know, really neither offense could get going. So he did a good job of trying to just, you know, keep Hunt in check. And then, basically, in that second quarter when, when Jones went down, on the next series, Paraclete went right at uh, his his replacement, and Hunt took it 90 yards for a touchdown. I mean, it was just like they, they seized on it. They did what they are supposed to do. So losing Jones really hurt because not just defensively, but offensively, they lacked any kind of like speed or game breakers or anyone who kind of like open the field up anymore. It's like sharks were seeing blood in the water. Just my go, man just Dean Harrington going man. after. That's yeah, what you're supposed to do. Hey, how did the young quarterback for Sierra look? How did how did Jaden Peary look? Uh, Peary, um, I, and I hate to say it, say kid, but he looked like a freshman. He played he played like a freshman. He struggled a little bit. Um, Sierra Kane's line, um, you know, struggled because Pericles mixed in some blitzes really well. They had Andre Hutt coming in on a couple of blitzes that kind of took him by surprise. So with Paraclete just blitzing and trying to, you know, confuse Perry a bit, he, he struggled. I mean, he had a touchdown in the end of the game, but I think it was a good, you know, growing moment for him to know that, hey, you know, the next level will be trying to, you know, how to read a defense. But I thought Sierra Kane's line, um, you know, struggled against Paraclete's blitzing and pressure up front, and that made it hard for him to kind of get in any rhythm. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I know Pericles, I saw them play Helix, and that was a game where Helix was the number one team in San Diego, and Pericles kind of beat them up up front. I think people have always viewed Dean Harrington as his you know, air attack, but he's always, going back to his heart days, always had tough physical defenses to go with that air attack. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you know, I was there too, and I think we we both probably could have made the same observation. Like they gave Helix a very physical game, um, and I was surprised by that because I thought Pericles. My question was going to be how good is their defense, but their defense made some noise against CRK, and then I think they made me another believer back in you know them being the favorites in Division Five because I don't think there's going to be a team that can match their firepower and if their defense plays like that. Then uh, they're going to make the final pretty much easily now. What happens in the final, we'll see. But I, I think Pericles is a heavy favorite in D5. Now, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you got there here, but we had Travis Clark from Lawndale on the show. And I'm already looking forward to that potential, you know, one versus two matchup versus those two teams. Have you seen Lawndale at all, Evan? I, I, I have not, but okay. thank you guys. I've heard a lot about uh, Jordan. Is it Jordan Wilscore? Is that what we call him? <laughs> Jordan Wilscore. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he he sounds like an absolute stud. I, I I talked to one of my partners who covers uh covers Lawndale, and he said that you know Wilmore is as good as he's seen a running back, and he's been covering uh, TV down there for for a few years now. So I I would love that matchup. I know Lawndale's been doing great work. Um, they had that quarterback Chris Murray there a few years ago, so they're 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 going to be a fun matchup. I hope we get that finals matchup. I think I would love to see you know a back like Jordan Wilmore and you know what Pericles has to offer. So. Crossing our fingers. Hey, Evan, you've seen Sierra Canyon twice now, right? You saw them beat, upset Calabasas. Now you saw them against Paraclete. They're in Division Three. Uh, where do you think their upside is? I love your dog. I'm a dog guy myself. But- I love her too, but let me make sure she uh, knows her place. So, hey, yeah. You well, how, how far do you think? How far do you think Sierra Canyon can go in D3? You've seen them twice. You've seen them look great and not so great. What do you think their long-term upside is going down D3 now? I know they're matched up in the same bracket as Charter Oak, who I assume got the one seed overall. Uh, how do you see D3 and Sierra Canyon specifically? Well, I think Sierra Canyon definitely was ready for Division Three. Like, they're not going to be, you know, the small school that's, you know, happy to be there. I think they can make some noise. Um, the only question is going to be how will they be with, um, you know, how will Corey Jones be? Um, we still don't know health-wise if he's, going to play on, on on Friday, and we sure don't know if um, they also have another defensive guy, Trevor Howard, as well. So they're going to be a little bit banged up. So And for a score like Sierra Canyon, depth is really important for them. So I think their defense certainly will keep them in a lot of games, but the question is, without Corey Jones, can they score enough to try to compete? And I think against Hart, um, they, have, they have a great chance to win that game, but I think it's going to be you know, a test to see, can they keep up scoring, can Peary you know, continue to show the poise that he has. And, you know, can they put up points against Hart while they have, you know, Mr. J.T. Shroud over there? So I think they'll be ready for D3. I don't know how far they'll go without Jones, but, hey, if, if Jones can play and if uh, they got some guys over there that we know about, they can, they can make some runs in that division. And hopefully he can play. You said it's a hip injury. Hopefully it's not like the, the Bo Jackson hip injury. No, no, we don't want to put that. Come on, on now, no. Oh, you, you broke my soul thinking about that. I, <laughs> I'll tell you. When he, when he fell, I was worried because it was one of those non-contact yeah. injuries. And so, you know, he was just like, oh, gosh, no. But hopefully it's not too serious and, you know, he can he can come back. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to monitor that and see what happens. Hey, I mean, who's the best team you've seen this year? Ooh, that would be Shamanad. I'm not even Okay. 
We got a potential Chaminade Mission Viejo second round matchup. How crazy is that going to be? <laughs> I'm I'm so ready for that because not looking past Olu, of course, because you know Olu is Trinity League. We can't overlook the Trinity League team. But uh, if Chaminade Mission Viejo gets to the second round, that gets fun because you know Chaminade went to Mission Viejo in September to play again, so they're familiar with that stadium, they're familiar with that field, so. Uh, I, I would look forward to that match. That would be a great, great match, especially the defenses. Uh, I know Keith was telling me about some of the guys they have in Mr. Viejo, so uh, I would look forward to that. So I think I like Chaminoff's chances to get to the semis, but I think it will be a war just to get past Olu and then hopefully take over Mr. Viejo. Hey, Evan, we talked about this a little off-air about a week or so ago. And you mentioned this kid earlier, J.D. Hernandez, linebacker at Sierra Canyon. I want to go back to him. How good is this kid? And what do you think? What do you What do you think his college perspectives are? Well, it, you know, I'm I'm not like Greg or anything. I'm I'm not good at predicting you know future college success on guys. You know, I'm, I'm I leave that to y'all because y'all are the experts. Uh, but uh, J.D. and I'll, I'll put this in J.D. and J.J. Hernandez, both of them, both of those guys could play in college. I mean, they're they're physical. They get after the ball. I mean, when you see J.D. Hernandez on the field, I mean, he's a guy that just has a nose for the ball, has a nose for making plays. He can get in the backfield. He can cover. Um, he's, he's a very, very solid young man, and I think you're going to be hearing a lot more from him, you know, over the rest of his career, just like you'll hear from J.J. Hernandez as well. Um, so I think I, I like him a lot. Like, they have, has got some dudes on defense. Like, I've covered them before. They've had guys on offense, you know, Ken Ray, who's at UCLA right now on the O-line. Bobby Cole, who was a talented running back. But they got some guys on defense that are just very, very, very good uh, guys you can play at the next level. All right, that sounds good. Well, hey, what game will you be at this week, Evan? Ooh, I will, I will be kicking in Division Two. I'm going to go see Calabasas Notre Dame. Nice. Hopefully I won't be a jinx like the last time I saw Calabasas. Yeah, right. Right, we don't believe in jinxes, Evan. We don't believe in, in that building. nonsense. No, and Calabasas doesn't believe in that either. Otherwise, they kick me out every time I show up there. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on, Evan. We appreciate you a lot, man. Have a great time at Calabasas, Notre Dame, and uh, we'll be checking in with you soon. Hey, you guys, take care and enjoy yourselves. All take, right, thanks, Evan. Playoff. Take care. Playoffs, yeah, baby. baby. So that was our guy Evan Barnes from the Daily News, the sports editor, um, doing a great job giving us giving us the 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 uncut version of Paraclete Sierra Canyon Paraclete with the win in the big time matchup. We know Sierra Canyon uh, suffered some some injuries during the game, but Paraclete gets it done <laughs> at home versus Sierra Canyon, and those two teams. Uh, will be in the playoffs this week and uh, look to make deep runs into the playoffs towards the CIF championship. Moving along, Greg, we've got more matchups that we need to recap. Won't you go ahead and get us rocking? Yeah, let's start off with a, you know a few of the Trinity League teams because uh, every single game in that conference is usually pretty big. How about Santa Margarita rallying for the second week in a row. They were down to Jay Sarah two weeks ago. This past weekend, they were down to Orange Lou at the half. 17 to 10 in the third quarter, 24 to 10, and they just rallied. That's what they do, Keith. Yep. Those Eagles, they just rally. The proud of Carson Palmer scored 21 straight, end up winning that one 38 to 31, clinching that third spot in the Trinity League, which is kind of big. 
I already mentioned what Josiah Norwood do. I'll mention it again. Very efficient. 13 of 17. Only four balls hit the ground. 168 yards and a touchdown. Also a running threat. Chad Mygar uh, was tough. Caden Fitch had 12 tackles. The key stat in this one, if you want to look ahead. So they had 342 yards rushing against that Orange Lou defense. And guess who Olu? You kind of already talked about it. Guess who Olu plays this week? A bully. They play a guy who can run away, run run over, around, or, or run through some guys. And if, they ha- if there's been an Achilles heel uh, for the Lancers, it's been kind of that defensive front stopping the run. Um, they're willing, but you know what? Not, just not always able. Yeah, not able. They're undermanned. They're undersized. Little undermanned, undersized. Um, out-physicaled by other team. But you know what? Hey, you have what you have. You got to put your best foot forward. I'm, I'm liking the matchup this week. Of course, you got to listen to our matchup show on Friday, but Orange Lutheran Chaminade, intriguing. A big physical team versus a kind of finesse, athletic offense. Van Bully, we know he's going to eat this week. Can Ryan Helinski, Kyle Ford, Elijah Maharo, Logan Lund, can they match his production? We're giving away too much to the answers to the test right now. We're giving away too much. Listen yeah, to the Friday we show. Are. We probably no, are. I'm excited because I feel like Chaminade's got a couple of good corners. Yeah. Guess what? Orange has got a couple good receivers, oh, and they, they don't even try to run the football. At Orange, yeah, Orange no. they just like, no. we're just going to throw it. So yeah. Rankins, yeah. Cortez, Dallas Taylor Cortez. Yep. We got Logan Loya, Kyle Ford. But that yeah, should be a Santa good Margarita one. Santa with another big comeback. Yeah, Greg, the Eagles. You know what? That, that's really. Who do they play this week? Do you even know? No, I don't. I don't have it in front of me. I have right it in now, front of me. Let me tell you something. How about you keep talking? Jo- I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Josiah Norwood just quietly has become the comeback kid. Two weeks in a row, yeah. leading his team back from big deficits, finishing third place in the Trinity League, making plays. Santa, listen, Santa Margarita is going to upset somebody. Magyard is a beast. Narwood is dynamic. Ebot can catch the peel. Caden Fitz is a Fitch is a physical middle backer with a head like a hammer. You better look out for my guy. Is that Swanky? Swanky. Swanky. The sophomore yeah. on the edge, rushing the passer. We know about McCartan. We know about Peters. They got players. Look out for the Eagles, man. They're going to upset somebody. Watch well, what I, I tell I don't you. know if it's even going to be an upset. So they play. They're a three-team. Yeah. Get to play a number one seed, Murrieta Valley. I don't think anyone is going to be picking Murrieta Valley. That's my guy, Murrieta Pete. Murrieta Valley's going down. I, lo- I love my guy, Pete Duffy, to death. Sorry, Pete. I like Spike. I like Hank. But yeah. that is a... Brutal first round. I mean, That's if you're in a valley, oh, you just you just played your hearts out. You got that first seed in your league, and here, here you go. You get you get the Eagles. Yeah, the team who took my to, took Bosco to the wire, yeah. and took modern day deep into the second half. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I think Santa Margarita. I don't think that that's going to be an upset. But then they would play the winner of Centennial versus Sarah, and I think that might be where the road ends for somebody because I love those Centennial Huskies. But shout out to the uh, both teams again. Uh, how about moving on modern day? Took down the Servite Friars in a game that almost was a game for about a few minutes. This game was seven to seven Ooh. at one time. Final score was fifty-one to seven. I put a forty-two point line on it. Fifty-one to seven. Marde got the ball first, matriculated the ball down the field. A little six-minute drive. Matriculated it. Matriculated it. Yeah. Servite gets the ball. TJ McMahon draws back. He looks, he sees our guy Julius Irvin deep. 62-yard bomb. Irvin catches it. The Servite Asylum is going crazy. 
Extra point is good. It's seven to seven. This is going to be a shootout. We can hang with these guys. They're going to score. We're, we're going to score. score. It's going to be back. It's going to be like a basketball game. We're going to we're going to come back and win this game. Unfortunately, that was the last points that the Friars would score in this game. Marte would run off whatever fifty-one minus seven. Forty-four. They would run off forty-four Four points in a row. In a row. JT Daniels, CJ Parks, Brew McCoy had only four catches. Three of them were touchdowns. Chris Street had two touchdowns. They're kind of resting Jacoby Harper, so Chris Street had two on the ground. Oh, that's that's uh yeah. that's what all, all I could do. Yeah, the Friars, man. You know, we knew it'd be a struggle for them trying to stop modern day. I thought their offense would have a little bit more success versus modern day's defense, but modern day defense, you know, they're they're beastie in themselves. And uh, they shut Servite down after that first touchdown. But shout out to the Monarchs, man. They're they're rolling and they're number one in the nation for a reason. What do we got next, GB? We got a St. John Bosco team that I kind of feel like is starting to go in the right direction as well. They took down a, a pretty gritty, tough Jay Sarah team who lost a heartbreaker the week before to Santa Margarita. So perhaps Jay Sarah was a little bit down, a little downtrodden. Still no Maneer McLean. But Bosco just put a 51 to 10 smackdown on them. And they got it done on defense. They got it done running the football. They got it done throwing the football. DJ, Wooey, Anna spreading the ball around. Jake Bailey, as you mentioned, had the eight catches. For me, one of the most underrated players out west. Chachi Delgado averaging 25 yards a catch. Had 100 yards, four catches, a couple touchdowns. Our boy George Halani, 127 and a touchdown on the ground. We've been singing the praises of Matt Robinson all year long. He was only 8 of 20. Al Fisher held him to 35 yards rushing. Eli Jefferson held him three carries for three yards. He went for like 180 the week before against Santa Margarita. Three carries for three yards. Uh, You know, for Jay Sarah, linebacker Victor Clanton went off. He had a really good game for them defensively. But this was just a a total dominant performance by St. John Bosco. And every phase of the game, they're starting to click. There is no distraction. I know some people thought, you know, going on the websites, they just kind of felt, oh, there's just too many distractions with the whole quarterback situation. But I'm in the know, Coach Keith. Go with it, You're in the know. A little bit. We both kind of had an idea. There was never really a a distraction in that locker room. Right. You know, DJ is the guy that they always loved, respected, and wanted to play for. So for people on the outside looking in saying, oh, you know, this is going to be a distraction with the whole Real Mitchell, DJ, who's going to play, and Real's not going to play. That's going to divide the locker room. So this united that locker room, offensively at least. Defensively, they're always getting after it. And they can they can be a physical force defensively with that front seven. They're healthy. They got all their guys back now. Everyone's playing well. I tell you what, man. I've been talking up modern day and Centennial quite a bit, but Bosco is going to be extremely tough out. They have a major chip on their shoulder. It's going to be an exciting, exciting D1 playoffs, especially when Bosco gets cranking, which they are right now. What do you think? They're, they're, they're scary good right now. They're, they're to a point where I believe they got as good a shot as any to beat <laughs> I Centennial. Would agree. In that semis and beat Modern Day in the finals. DJ, DJ's ability and talent, that quarterback position, has just totally opened up this offense. It has become explosive. 
it has become a downfield vertical offense with the hard-hitting running style of George Halani, who cannot and will not be tackled by one guy at a time. They look scary good right now. Like I said, the defense is always on tilt. Chris Steele is the most physical corner in the nation. Can that defensive line continue to bring pressure? And will they change the game plan if they face modern day again? I didn't like the defensive game plan last time. Singling up Amon Ross St. Brown. He torched him. I didn't like that game plan. I'll never like that game plan. I'm sure they won't come back with that. If they get a chance to to play modern day again, I think it's a it's a it's a better game. I think it's more even. But of course they gotta get through the first and second round, then they gotta they gotta fight through that 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 beast of a program they have over there in Corona. But yeah. man, I really like the way Bosco looks. DJ is special. The receivers are making plays. The running backs are deep and talented. The defense is aggressive and fast. They look good, man. Look out for Bosco. They're sneaking around Chicken Coop, and they are ready to pop somebody. Yeah, I know. Two weeks ago, I said, you know what? Mark it down. Modern day, Centennial. It's going to be an incredible final. Right now, I would agree with you. I think St. John Bosco has just as good a shot as anybody to win that Division One for sure. How about this game? This is supposed to be kind of a close game. Westlake and Oaks Christian. Both of them are 7-2. Both of them are 2-0 in league play. And Oaks Christian with a 42-7. Yeah. That's a spanking. Josh Calvert, quarterback, linebacker, 7 of 12 for 221 and three touchdowns of defense, which is ferocious. Kayvon Thibodeau kind of starting to live up to his hype. Three sacks in that one. And I feel like every time I look at the stats, he's got two or three. He's got to be pushing 10 or 15. Again, Oaks Christian, they're starting to peak at the right time. They had a couple uh, losses early on. Uh, they got physically manhandled up front by Chaminade in week one, or was that week zero, whatever. And they also lost Mur- to Murrieta Valley. But they've won every other game. They're 8-2 and two right now, and I, I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Look out for Oaks Christian. Looks out for Oaks Christian again. They're doing this without Bo Calvert, but, um, you know, they got guys. And this is a game, you know, Zach Charbonnet, 88 yards. Kind of held in check a little bit. I mean, if you held a guy like that under 100, you can say you kind of held him in check. It didn't even matter. Bryce, again, mentioned Bryce Farrell. He's making plays in the receiving game. Josh Calvert, uh, Marco Siderman, the sophomore, also pretty talented quarterback. Defensively, playing well. They're swarming. They're playing tough. And like I said, Westlake just had no answers in that one. So, Oaks Christian, again, watch out for them. Lions. Yeah, I mean, they got a really rough segment early in the year, Greg. They have responded and bounced back. Like the way they're playing. Really like Bryce Farrell. We've been talking about him all year, it seems. But yeah. The guy makes plays. Listen, speed, the ultimate equalizer, man. Bryce has speed. He will get behind the defense and he will finish. Love it. So, Oaks, I'm looking at them right now. They're in D2. And uh, that's a tough bracket. That whole entire D. Some of those yeah, first D2 round is games. Monster. D2 some, of these, is monster. some of these first round games, I would think, would be a semifinal game. Uh, they got Arroyo Grande in round one, and then, excuse me, uh, Oaks has to play the winner. If they get by Arroyo Grande, they have to play the winner of La Habra and Edison. Yeah. How's that for a first-round game, La Habra and Edison? Oh, yeah, that's tough. They also have Upland on, that, Upland on their side of the bracket. So Oaks didn't get any favors. Um, other side of that bracket is, again, that's Valencia. There's Norco. There's Calabasas. There's Heritage. So that D2 bracket is loaded. That's loaded, man. That's a good There group. is no easy outs in that one. So congrats to you, Oaks Christian, though, for getting that done and winning that league. 
Championship. And another game that we thought might be a little closer, that the score actually looks closer than the game was. Calabasas took down Moore Park, 33 to 21. Moore Park scored a couple, a couple late touchdowns to make that game look a little bit closer, but Calabasas was really, really impressive. This is a Moore Park team that only had uh, one loss all year. That was a three-point loss to Westlake, we just kind of talked about. Calabasas had eight sacks in this game. Hmm. I think the knock on Calabasas in the past was always, yeah, great skill. But are they tough enough? Are they physical enough? And they've been saying all year, dude, we're good up front. You know, Casey told me in the beginning of the year, we got really good linemen. Nahe Sulanga had two sacks, so he's back. He missed the first five games. I believe he missed that Valencia game that they won. They got special talents. Micah Pittman with the three touchdowns last game. You already read up the stats on Nico Hall. Um, Johnny Wilson, extremely good. One of the running backs always seems to go off. This past week, it was freshman Julian Stokes. He had 121 yards rushing in that one. Uh, excuse me, Nahai Solange had three sacks. So 33-21 over Moore Park. Again, Jane and Casey are really good. No sacks allowed. I think they've only allowed, allowed one sack all year. And on the defensive side, they're getting four and five sacks every game. So they're showing a, a physicality up front that they haven't shown. They're in the bottom half of that D2 bracket. They open up with Notre Dame of Sherman Oaks, who's a good team. Sure. Right? Notre Dame Sherman Oaks gave Chaminade all they could handle. The winner of that game plays Heritage, who was the uh, gets, gets the number two seed, I believe, in that bracket. Also has Valencia. That could be a potential uh, rematch, which would be in the semifinal. So, uh, Notre Dame first off for Calabasas, then a winner of, of Heritage and La Mirada. I'm going to say Heritage is going to win that game by about 45 points, probably. Easy. My guy, Mike Machetti, is not walking through those doors. But it gets tough after that. But uh, Calabasas, nice job to the fighting Casey Clausens. The Coyotes. The fighting Kanye Wesses. I love Casey. He was in our very first uh, ever Elite 11 group. Okay. Casey was in that very first one ever. How about this one? Chaminade, Bishop Amont. Chaminade got the offense rolling 57 to 33. That's a, this is a Bishop Amont defense that only allowed. Uh, what, 14 points against Sarah I think, the week before? Yeah, 14. I think one of those was a pick six by right, Max. By Max, sure. So, one touchdown. Chaminade, I mean, Ryan Stevens went berserk. I think you read out the numbers, but I think it gets even better. I think he was perfect in the second half. I think it was 12 of 15 in the first half, and then it was like 11 for 11, 11, 11 for in the, the second, second half. half. He ended up 23 for 26. Yeah, 378. Van Bully, again, kind of. Someone held in check, 92 yards rushing, Yeah, which, I mean, that's not bad if you hold him under 100, right? Sure. But he had four touchdowns, so it's probably one of those deals where he didn't have a chance to get yard because you're always on the 10-yard line. You can only get you know as many yardage as, as the— That's available that's to available you. That's available to you. Sure. Matt Griffin for some, and I also had five catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. I see you, Matt Griffin. Jonathan Thomas, one of the Thomas— Boys, I would. I always want to say Thomas brothers, no, but they're not related. Not, well, the Thomas, One of the boys. Thomas boys, ten tackles, kind of helping out our boy Blake Anzalados. Um, so they really did a nice job. Blake Arch, Lutterford, Bishop Mont, shout out to him. He had a good game still, twenty six to thirty six for two thirty five and three touchdowns. They kind of hung in there for a while, and then Shamanad just got it rolling. How about this first Mission League title ever yeah. for Ed Croson? Chaminade, a lot of good young talent coming back next year. So I would have to thank Chaminade. This isn't a one-year wonder. They got a chance to uh, be good for a while. And again, kind of looking ahead, which we'll do a lot more 
on Friday's show, Shamanah's going to open up with Orange Lutheran. I like Orange Lou a lot, but I would have to say Shamanah is going to get that win. And they play the winner in the second round, Mission Viejo and Servite. Again, I like Servite, but Mission Viejo is going to be the team that's going to be favored in that game. How about a second round game between Mission Viejo and Chaminade? Got any other year, any other bracket? If they're in Division Two, that's a final. I mean that Mission Viejo and Chaminade are, are a probably phenomenal matchup. Mission Viejo and Chaminade would beat any team in Northern California, with the exception of maybe De La Salle, and that's probably a pick'em game. Yeah. Wow. That's all yeah. I gotta say is wow. I mean, that's 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 such a intriguing matchup and I just my ears perk up <laughs> when you say Chaminade Mission Viejo there's so many really really good matchups in that game but let's move along Greg what else okay, we, got? we got we got another one we got St. Francis who was undefeated Cathedral had just one loss all year to Loyola and it was Cathedral 28 to 16 that was the Bryce Young show St. Francis again it's very good team I don't sleep on them in the playoffs. They got a chance to make a run. But, dude, defensively, we don't talk about Cathedral's defense all that often, but they got after it. I think they had four or five sacks in the first half alone. Parantis, St. Francis quarterback, really good. They're kind of able to kind of hold him in check a little bit, put up points on the board, and you put up 28 points against, uh, against St. Francis and hold them to just 16. That's doing some work. Cathedral is going to be another team to kind of watch out for, but they are in a really, really loaded division. Uh, I think they're in that D2 bracket as well. Let me look them up real quick. But if you want to talk about, while I'm doing this, anything that you uh, can think of from that Cathedral-St. Francis game. I mean, you know, two really good quarterbacks, you know, running around making plays for their team. We talked about Bryce Young earlier, Darius Parentes last week. Both of those guys can play big-time football. And you love to see those guys duel back and forth with each other, right? You want to see that duel. Yeah. Who's going to come out on top? Cathedral <laughs> in the playoffs in Division Two. I mean, who do they have, Greg? So they have Cathedral opens up with Redlands East Valley. Which they, is a solid team. That's a solid team. But then they get Upland. Oh. Yeah, they got matched up with the number one overall seed. So shout out to the quarterbacks in that game. That might be a fun game to actually go watch. Yeah, Cathedral but, Upland. Uh, hey, so Omari Gary, who's... Played at St. John Bosco last year. Yeah. I think he set out five games for Cathedral. 15 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Watching some of the highlights that uh, his pops was able to send me. Man, this guy has a chance to be good. I like the way he runs. And that was the difference. Because Parantis threw for 275 and a touchdown. He 20 of 39. Yeah. Only rushed for 35 yards. You got to be somewhat balanced unless you're, you know, a team that can throw the ball for 500 yards and kind of hold the other team down. Cathedral, a lot more balanced. Bryce threw for 248. Also, they ran for 150. Gary, 104 yards. So, uh, And then they got after the quarterback. Cathedral was able to get after the quarterback, make some plays. Sure. They got some good defensive players over there. Jabril, Stephon Wright, Victor Terry, um, Craig Francois, Oregon State commit. I mean, God, how many? I'm looking at the stats right now. They had over 10 tackles for loss. Yeah, they got after a man. Yeah, they got get out, after made, the quarterback. They got a great chance to win. This. Yeah, we got the game that was the game of the week. Mission Viejo and Bob Johnson's final game took down San Clemente, forty-nine to twenty-one. It was close at the half, 
And then Mission Viejo, as they do, great second-half team. Achille Arnold, 178 yards and two touchdowns. Joey Yellen's really throwing the ball well. 201 yards and three more touchdowns for him. Uh, Austin Osborne had two touchdowns. Elijah Griffin had a, a a really good game on both sides of the ball. He's been one of the more dynamic athletes that I've seen this year. I really like OG a lot. Talking about you know maybe one of the three or four most dynamic players in, in all of Southern California, if not even broader. That team is tough. Christian Laval, again, he was the OC defensive player of the week for what he did, and you know they got all their guys healthy as well. Um, Mission Viejo is a very, very good football team. Really well coached. They're playing inspired football. They're playing for Bob Johnson right now. Uh, for San Clemente, Brendan Costello, he, he made some plays, 15-21 to 21 for 182 and one touchdown. Keith Jones, the receiver, seven catches for 127 yards, but a little too much Diablos. And as we already talked about with Chaminade, Mission Viejo opens with Servite, but a huge matchup with Chaminade looms in that second round. Man, that, that, that's interesting. Well, first of all, we talked about how Mission Viejo was going to kind of pull away from San Clemente last week. Diablos, they're big, they're physical. They've got a couple of really, really good athletes in Arnold, Mitchell, Elijah Griffin. Joey Yellen, like you said, he's throwing the ball well from the pocket. Can they keep him upright? Matchup with Servite coming up. Don't with those sneaky Servite Friars. Tyler McMahon and company, they're going to come put their best leg forward. It's going to be tough. I think Diablo's probably going to have too much for him, especially on the ground. Akili Arnold coming off of 170-plus yards rushing. I'm, no, I'm not sure Servite has enough defensively to kind of hold down the fort and, and manage and maintain and contain Akili Arnold. But if you look at that second-round matchup, Greg, we just talked about a little earlier, Chaminade, Mission Viejo, there's no question that would be a slobber knocker. No, I mean, it's, it's, I'm really intrigued because everyone, including us, you know, everyone's been hyping the Trinity League like crazy. Oh, you know, Trinity League, everyone else, you go on, you know, the, our favorite message board. Uh, we call it a message board? It's called a Facebook page, Sports Unlimited. But it's basically, if you don't play in the Trinity League, you suck. Yeah. You're a second-class citizen. <laughs> yeah. Don't even play football if you don't come from the Trinity League. But I'll tell you what, I would not be surprised. So Mission plays Servite, and uh, Shamanon plays Orange Lou. They could go 0-2 right there. The, that's that's And the then Jay Sarah sure. plays Long Beach Polly. Yeah. Polly didn't look that nice. No. Uh, they against Sarah. They looked a little bit ugly out of sync. But actually that's the game the last game to talk about right now. So let, let's talk about that game. Sure. It's like Polly and Jay, uh, Polly and Sarah. Let's break that one down. So we're both at that game. Um weird game. Very right? Very weird. For a couple of reasons. Yeah, but we'll give you the score first. So uh, Sarah won that one 24 to 20. This was a game that uh, I picked Polly. You picked Sarah. I just thought, you know, Polly was, was healthy. Sarah had just looked really ugly against Bishop Amont. Polly didn't start Matt Corral at quarterback. Freshman Jake Garcia started. I was at Polly on Thursday, and he, they told me, hey, Giving you a little tip. First play of the game, we're going to go play action pass, deep ball to the Markham Twins. They didn't know which one. They just say, hey, one of the Twins is catching the deep ball. Yeah. Sure enough, deep ball. What I think surprised me a little bit, I didn't like the game plan for Pauly offensively. They kept trying to establish a run game. Mm-hmm. They're not a running team. They probably watched the Bishop Mont tape and said, oh, look how you know, Bishop Mont was able to run the football. Let's, let's try to do that too. And you're almost giving away downs. You're giving away possessions. Mm. And... I'm thinking so they made the switch 
I didn't really care for the switch, but they put Corral in, I think, in the second quarter. Late in the second. His very first possession out of his own end zone. He throws a deep ball. Addison picks it off. And actually, it was kind of late in the second quarter when they put him in for the first time. They obviously felt like, you know, maybe the offense was stagnating a little bit under Garcia. They had fumbled once. I think they turned over on downs another time. I like Garcia, by the way. Um, So they put in Matt late in the second quarter. It's 10 to 7. End zone, deep ball, Addison. Don't ever throw the ball around Addison first off. He returns it down to like the 18-yard line. They punched in late. Now all of a sudden, instead of being 10-7, now it's 17-7. One of the first drives of the second half, in there deep in their own territory, through the whole throwback screen, Matt rolls right, throws it back across his body. Sarah picks that one off, takes the house. Now all of a sudden, it's 24-7. Game over, right? That's what we thought. That's what it should have been. Right. Because now all of a sudden, I didn't like Sarah's offense. They completely went conservative, sat on the lead. And again, talking to some of the Sarah coaches, like, we don't run the ball to sit on the lead. Like, that's not our, we can't do that. We're not, you know, good enough to be able to run the clock out. We got to keep playing our game. So they tried to run the ball. They gave away possession. They gave away downs. Now all of a sudden, Polly rallies. One thing about Matt, dude, Matt's tough. No question. And he, there's no quitting the guy. He will make mistake after mistake, but he doesn't ever back away from, from anything. Like He has so much belief and trust in himself. They scored two touchdowns in a row. They get the ball back. Uh, Keywan Markham had a big interception. They get the ball inside the 10-yard line. And the thing that bugged me the most about the Polly offense was so Sarah has small corners. We have Max Williams, who's 5'8", and he's bigger than the other guy. <laughs> you see the other guy? Yeah, the other guy is pretty small. He's small. He's smaller than Max. For me, the most unstoppable guy for Polly would have been Cam McDonald. I think he had like two targets. Yeah. Like, put this guy out wide and either just do, man, skinny post, let him box out, throw a little fade to him. Uh, Darius Krieger's a big receiver. Uh, Markham. Keon Markham, are they both over six feet? They didn't do any of that. Like, I don't know what, I'd go four wides, and if you have this great quarterback in Matt Corral, man, just then use him, right? You don't try to be balanced, because you can't be balanced. Just go four wides, shotgun, we're going Mike Martz, we're going Rams, fun and gun, throw it all over the yard. Just yeah. pick, and, and Jalen Hall wasn't, wasn't able to play in the game. We mentioned that last week, because he was suspended, because right. got a couple of sportsman likes. But even without Jalen, they still have four or five really good pass catchers out there. I didn't feel like Polly took advantage of that at all. I didn't feel like they did. And they they had size. They have a talented quarterback. And it was just like, I felt like it was just wasted. Yeah, so uh, there's so many elements to that game, Greg, and what you said. I agree. I didn't really like their game plan offensively. I thought they could have spread them out and isolated kind of some smaller guys on some bigger guys. Got a matchup advantage. In addition to that, I thought their offensive line play was below par. I thought Merlin kind of dominated the defensive side of the ball. He was everywhere, hitting, running quarterbacks down, sacking people. You know, it was interesting because Polly goes down. They come back. Matt Corral's playing on fire with tremendous passion. Sarah gets the ball back, and they're up a score. They run a wheel route to a running back out of their hurry-up offense with three minutes to play. (laughs) And I'm thinking, why are we in a hurry-up offense, a speed-tempo offense with three minutes play? They're snapping the ball under 10 seconds. And uh, that was weird for me. Poor decision by the quarterback, etc. Doesn't see the safety. Guy sitting right there on the hash mark. He picks it off. 
gives Polly life. Polly can't punch it in before the clock kind of runs out on him. It was a weird game, but again, Merlin Robinson, he was my player of the game. I thought he was phenomenal. I thought Brian Addison made some plays. One play I didn't like from Brian Addison, though, and I got to call him out on this, GB. Okay. So the quarterback from Polly's in the pocket. Check, check. Blaze McKibben is in the pocket. He scrambles to his left. He runs. There's a guy from Polly chasing him from behind. Blaze slides. And Brian Addison comes in with a blindside block. Nothing wrong with the blindside block, Greg. But he blindsides the guy and hits the guy below the knee. So the guy is chasing Blaze McKibben from behind as Blaze is running up the field. Blaze slides and Brian Addison comes with a blindside block. Nothing wrong with the blindside yeah. block. Hit him high, though. But hit the guy in his chest. Stay away from the knees. You don't blindside a guy at his knees. A little bit of a cheat deal, Brian Addison. I know you're better than that. I know you're tougher than that. What's with these receivers these days? Day and age? I, don't, I don't know. See the two NFL I, games? I don't, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's, I don't know what's going on. But if we're going to block a guy, hit the guy in his chest, man up. Uh, let's not blindside the guy in his kneecap. Yeah. That's no good. But yeah, a weird game. Yeah, Blaze, that was Blaze's first game back. Yeah. Um, a little bit of rust. But I still like him. Uh, had the questionable throw that was picked off. Really the only mistake he made. He was 17-32, to a couple touchdowns. Uh, they got a lot of weapons out wide. I agree with you about Merlin. Best player in the field. And I don't mean to not give Sarah's defense credit. I think I was kind of bad-mouthing Polly's offense. But to Sarah's credit, they stopped the run. Yeah, They weren't able to do that the week before. They shut down the run. Uh, not just with Merlin. They had, they had guys, right? They always defend the pass well. They have a good secondary. You know, Max always kind of locks up one side of the island. I think they had the pick six. Uh, I know uh, that was what? That was the Patterson kid. Yeah, Justin Patterson. He's a good-looking player. Yeah. So they have some dudes, but I really thought when Polly got the ball back that last time and got inside the 10, yeah. I thought, you know, game over. I thought they're going to score a touchdown and win yeah. it. You know, the, the thing I didn't like was, so on the sidelines, we're all yelling about this. When Polly scored to cut the lead to five, yeah, go for two, right? Sure, that's what's, what I thought. What's, what's, there's between four and five points. You need a touchdown. If, so if you miss a two-point conversion, you still you're down five. You need a touchdown. You kick the extra point. You're down four. Yeah. You go for two. Kick you're the, down three. You need a yeah, field goal. Then you're on the ten yard line. Now you field goal ties the game. I talked to one of the guys and they, they were nice about it. Said you know what we didn't really trust our kicker. I'm going for ten yard line though. It's, it's, That's an extra point. Extra point. Right. Essentially an extra. And the kick he missed he had the distance. He just a little bit of wide left. I was yeah. on that side of the field. So I, I mean, you always go for two down five. I mean, that's what the card says. What are you looking at the card? <laughs> I don't I mean, know. Late in the game, yeah, first quarter, take the extra point. But yeah. there's a five minutes left in the game. Yeah, no, you, you got, you got one all, more possession you left in you. Field goal. So I didn't like that call at all. So I'm really curious. So, so anyway, so getting back to D1. So Polly has Jay Sarah. Yeah. Jay Sarah's reeling a little bit now. Obviously, playoffs are going to give them new life. But I think Polly, talent for talent, can play with Jay Sarah. Right. What just what if the Trinity? Because we know Bosco is going to win and Martinez is going to win. But what if the rest of the league goes goes zero and three? That, 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 that would that would make that 
that Facebook page just go berserk, wouldn't it? Well, I think I think I think they're counting on being top heavy in the playoffs. I don't think so. You don't I, think so? I think they feel their bottom teams could beat the Rams. I think there's that much faith. Hey, yeah. man, if you don't play in the Trinity League, yeah, you're you're playing powder puff football. But well, that group is a little nutty. <laughs> but that's God right. bless that group. But yeah, we love. God but they are extremely nutty. I did nutty. get some weird clapback though on Twitter, Greg. You did. I said that Polly's app might have had a, a few more athletes, good-looking athletes, than Sarah. Some of the Sarah guys got back at me. They didn't like that comment. <coughs> I thought just off the hoof when I got to the game. I said, "Wow, look at these Polly athletes. They look phenomenal." We talked about their athletes all year. Oh, yeah. We know they got great athletes. I just thought Polly maybe had one or two more. What'd you think? I, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Um, just strictly eyeball test. Just eyeball. Eyeball test, yeah. You know, Polly, uh, uh, Kobe Smith, shout out to him. He got a couple touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, man for man. No, I would agree. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're good, man. We are you, good. You man. got you got no really broad this week, right? I got we're gonna no save really it. Bro, we're gonna I save got no it. Really broad. We got we got the matchup show on Friday. We're okay. gonna be previewing all of the playoff games. I cannot wait. GB, what are some of the? Yeah, so we're gonna be doing. We're gonna only unfortunately, um, not to snub anybody, but only going one through five in the LA city. We can't go six, seven, eight. Honestly, just it's too long of a show, and we just don't know as much about those teams as we do divisions one through five. So. One through five is going to be, uh, you know, dialed. Division one, we're going to probably go game by game. And then we're going to pick, you know, who's our best first round game, our biggest sleeper to watch. We're going to pick our finals. And then uh, LA City as well. So, LA City, I don't, no one's going to beat Narbonne, are they? No. No, but has no. got a shot, but it's going to be tough. What about your, what about your, you got your preseason pick, Dorsey? They got a chance to upset. Are they, no. Aren't they in the playoffs? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, well, that's going to bring this baby to a close. Please follow us on show, social media. We appreciate you taking a ride with us. We look forward to our next show on Friday, the matchup show. Make sure you're tuning in. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.